This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. It's Thursday, and uh, oh my God, so many things are happening. I can't believe how many things are happening. In the studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. Ed Cox, uh, we, the New York State uh, Chairman of the Republican Party, and uh, Governor uh, uh, Patterson, the Democratic former Democratic Chair of the Democratic Party. So we got all everybody here to cover what the heck is going on. And and Rita Cosby, what any hot news today? What are we doing today? Oh well, we got a lot of hot guests coming up. And uh, first of all, I I can't believe about Fannie Willis. You guys, Fannie Willis, this is the Georgia DA, John. She's going to be on the hot seat. And Judge Weinberg, boy, should she be on the hot seat. My Absolutely. goodness. She put somebody in at big numbers, almost a million dollars, totally unqualified to do the job. Then that guy goes to the White House, meets twice for eight-hour clips, two eight-hour clips with White House senior staff, White House counsel, to talk about the prosecution of Trump. I mean, what are they thinking they're doing? It's a, and now they're doing Huge a hearing. Huge ethical violations, yes. and the judge has a hearing looking at that case is blowing up. And that's going to be, I think it's like February 15th. And, Ed, you feel like obviously all these cases are kind of blowing up, Ed Cox. That was the last one. I wasn't sure because that state law where it go, now you can see why it got structured, what's happening, and the White House involvement. And in February 13th is the race in uh, Nassau County. Uh, for, uh, uh, was it Mozzie against, uh, Mozzie against Swazi. Mozzie versus Swazi. Yeah, and Swazi. Now, you know what it comes down to? Is the people and the people in Nassau County say, okay, who says no to the migrants or the uh, asylum seekers? Versus who said yes? Mozzie says absolutely no, and Swazi said, well, maybe no. I'm going to write a letter to the president about it. Blaming Washington general. Go, Governor, I mean, come on. Uh, Governor uh, Patterson, I understand you were in in uh, Long Island last week, and Governor Hochul decided to visit the Nassau County and Suffolk County, and um, she wasn't warmly greeted, I heard. Apparently not. I wasn't actually there, John, but it was last week that the Long Island Association, a great business organization that covers both counties, were having their breakfast. And the keynote speaker was Governor uh, Kathy Hochul and um, the newly elected Suffolk County executive, Ed, Ed Romain. Ed Ed it's so funny because I've known him. But I always forget his name. And like also, Romaine lettuce. Yeah, Romaine. Yeah. Now I'll never forget it again. <laughs> yeah. Like iceberg over here. Well, I tell you what. Oh, <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Thank he, you, Rita. <laughs> uh, 
he he might be romaine lettuce, but he was pretty cold to uh, Governor Hochul. Really? And, and the next speaker wow. was uh, the county executive of Nassau County, Bruce Blakeman. And he went on a tear about Governor Hochul, basically suggesting that since she hadn't done anything to Long, uh, for Long Island, she shouldn't come to Long Island. And then when they left and Governor Hochul got up, she basically said that, uh, okay, I won't come to Long Island, but neither will my money. So Oh, can you kiss the casino goodbye? Or is uh, that what it is? <laughs> let me well, remind. Well, let me remind her. It's not her money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. not her money. Oh. Well, she has the power of the checkbook. Yeah, yes. checks appeal. So, checks appeal. So, so uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> out on Long Island, things have been uh, pretty exciting these days. And then, of course, uh, last night, the president of Hofstra University was subpoenaed by the Long Island County Legislature. And uh, the, uh, the subpoenas were delivered by uh, policemen to the university, and she locked the door and wouldn't talk to them. So they had to have her counsel come and accept the subpoena. What, now, so, explain what it is again, because that's as interesting why they the, she got subpoenaed. The subpoena alleges collusion between Hofstra University and its president uh, with the um, bid by the Steve Cohen and the New York Mets over the looming – uh, casino uh, selections, which are a long way away because they haven't even sent the RFPs out. And this feeling that Hofstra will do anything to stop a casino being anywhere near the Nassau Coliseum and was uh, apparently interacting with, uh, with with the Mets. This was denied, but I believe it was Newsday had some email trails or something. I'm not 100% sure of this. That there was, there were conversations between those two entities. So I'm shocked, l- absolutely shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's getting juicy over there. I'm so, telling you. So Ed is the uh, it, it, as the state uh, chair uh, for Ed, the. Let me let me ask uh, Ed Cox. Do you think that Bruce Blakeman is considering running for governor? Uh, he is strong. He's doing a good job politically and managing as county executive in Nassau County. He's feisty. I'm not surprised that there are a little flare flare up there out in that Republican bastion in Long Island. Either Vito Fasella running for governor or uh, or there's another there's another possibility. Bruce Blakeman, two very talented, very talented uh, people, both great guys. Wow! If you look at Suffolk County, Nassau County, Staten Island, and Westchester, those are all more or less suburban areas. Even though Staten Island, of course, is part of New York City. And I think if you have a very effective leader in any of those places, they are automatically on the list of a potential gubernatorial candidate. Wow, interesting. You heard it here first. Rita, I understand uh, uh, Professor Dershowitz is on. Yep, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz. And uh, Professor Dershowitz, first of all, of course, I love your book, War Against the Jews. It is so important right now. And uh, you wrote a really powerful column about going after Iran, time to go after Iran. Uh, your thoughts about that? Iran is the most dangerous country in the world uh, today. It is the equivalent of um, uh, Nazi Germany in the 1930s. And if the uh, British and the French had stopped Nazi Germany in 1933, 34, 35, 50 million people wouldn't have been killed. And the idea of a nuclear arsenal in the hands of Iran is so unthinkable 
that we have to do something to stop that now. Iran has declared war on the United States. It has attacked American diplomats. Going back in time, it attacked American marine bases. We have been the victim of Iran, and we're enriching them, and we're allowing them to become the greatest exporter of terrorism in the world. Israel as well has been, the Iran has declared war against Israel through its proxies. Obviously, Hezbollah and the uh, the, the, the Yemenites and the uh, and, and Hamas, and uh, it's time to 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 stop Iran to cut off the head of the snake. And are, are you saying us, or are you saying Israel? Because because well, I don't see the will from us by this administration. Well, then it has to change because we have to have the will to do it together, or each of us separately, or in coordination. Well, so, and the Western world needs to stop Iran. Uh, China has threatened as well. Yeah. China today, I understand, has threatened the United States, or threatened in general that if if we continue. Uh, to go against the hoodies, that they're going to get involved. Well, how many know, countries? How, how many countries have to be involved before you call it a world war, Professor? Well, yeah, it's already on the verge of that. Um, we already have multiple countries involved. We have the real prospects for possible peace um, in the Middle East. The Saudis want to make peace with Israel. Uh, it's only the Iranians. They are the villains of the world today. Now. Of course, they're working together with China, and perhaps they're working together with uh, Russia as well. And, you know, the world is dividing into two camps, much the way it did in World War One and World War Two. Um, the good camp, obviously, are the United States and uh, NATO, not all of NATO, not Turkey, and um, um, uh, some countries in the Middle East, uh, like those that were involved in the Abraham Accords. And the bad countries are... Iran, Russia, China, uh, and and some other countries as well, and 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 we have to do whatever we can to prevent, obviously, uh, a world war, particularly against nuclear uh, adversaries. But if we allow Iran to develop a nuclear arsenal, mm-hmm. it will change everything. So, they will have an umbrella so, under which to operate their terrorism. So, Professor, why? Did Biden loosen the sanctions, the tough sanctions that the Trump administration had on Iran and letting them produce and sell the amount of oil they're producing and the billions of dollars that they're using well, for terrorism around the Mideast? It's, it's the fault of two people, both of whom are friends of mine, who I know well, uh, Barack Obama and uh, and um, uh, John Kerry. Uh, John Kerry was basically uh, Iran's ambassador to the United States. And he did everything in his power to uh, help strengthen Iran. And it was a terrible mistake under the Obama administration, and it continues under this administration. And it has to stop. We have to understand that Iran is public enemy number one. Um, We have uh, Governor David Patterson. Go ahead. Well, uh, good afternoon, Alan. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. On October 7th, after the attack by Hamas, if Israel and the United States, knowing full well that Hamas, the Houthis, and of course Hezbollah are really just subsidiaries of Iran, sure. who's very friendly with China and Russia, and they weren't going to do anything to stop them. If there had been a stronger attack in response in the shortest period of time, you don't wait two weeks to respond, which is basically what happened. And by then you have all these uh, anti 
um, you know, um, Israel protests going on, I think w- that Russia and China would blink. I know I agree with you. And by the way, at the demonstrations in front of the Sloan Kettering Hospital, when they announced that an Iranian missile had attacked right next to the American embassy, people cheered. People in these demonstrations, these are neo-Nazi demonstrators. These demonstrators support Iran over the United States. They are rooting for our enemies. And, and we're not doing anything. This administration could clamp down and say, and, and I, I know it's a free speech issue, but it's also a hate speech. And when you're destroying property and you're walking into a cancer center, my goodness. Look, I agree. And there's a big difference between what may be legally permissible, like the Nazis marching through Skokie, and what is morally acceptable. And these demonstrations are not morally acceptable. And some of them go over the line legally and are not protected by the First Amendment. Uh, sitting in on the Capitol is not protected by the First Amendment. Alice. Shouting shouting into pediatric wards of a hospital may not be constitutionally protected. Alan, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me ask you this. Why are Biden and Blinken so obsessed with pushing the so-called two-state solution when the only result is going to be is giving them a camp for further terrorist acts against Israel? Well, Right now, only uh, the, the Biden and Blinken administration are saying, don't prevent a possible pathway to the two-state solution. Nobody thinks that a two-state solution is possible now with Hamas still in control of, of Gaza. Is it a possibility down the line? It may be the least worst solution to an otherwise insoluble problem. But I think what the Biden administration is saying is, don't cut it off. Maybe that will help you get peace with the, with the, the Saudis. And then we'll see. I mean, it's too early to determine whether or not there's any possible solution other than a military one to the attacks on Israel. Well, those those people only understand one thing is strength. Yeah. You know, yeah, if I you show weakness... They'll, they'll be attacking you every day. Yeah, and in fact, yeah. by the way, uh, did you see this, Professor Dershowitz? This was stunning. President Biden was asked a little bit ago, do you think these strikes on the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen, which keep firing on U.S. facilities all over the place, are they working? A, a, a normal president would say, uh, yeah, or I hope so. His answer was no. He absolutely he said no on camera. No, they're not working. We're going to have to do more of them. That just shows well, he so. even, well, but he, I, but he I, even knows that they're not working. Yeah, no, I agree with him. I don't think they're working. They have pinpricks. Yeah, I don't I think his strategy's working. <laughs> on, I agree with you. We need a massive attack on Iran's capacity to promote terrorism in the region and certainly to develop a nuclear arsenal. Iran with a nuclear arsenal will be as dangerous as Nazi Germany was in 1939. Professor Ed Coxer, I don't understand why if you, you, the worst way to show weakness is to go tit for tat with a bunch of re- Houthi I rebels. I agree with you. And, and not completely and when Iran is the real enemy, that is showing weakness. And it's a draw. It's a tit for tat. That yeah, does that's not why make it sense. looks stupid. It makes yes. us look stupid. A draw yes. is always a win for the non-superpower. When a superpower draws with a bunch of thugs, who wins? The thugs win. The thugs win. And that's why Israel can't allow a draw with Hamas. It can't allow a ceasefire. It has to beat them. A draw is a defeat when it comes to Israel, to the United States, and to uh, other strong militaries.
Um, Professor Alan Dershowitz, um, I want to also, um, on the topic, we were talking about anti-Semitism. There have been a couple cases late where Jewish students have been filing <laughs> anti-Semitism claims against some of these universities. Harvard, uh, uh, your alma mater, um, American University. Do they have a case? And, and this could be a big wake-up call to universities that they're going to take legal action. Yeah, I'm on their side, <clears throat> and I've indicated a willingness to be a whistleblower against Harvard and to testify against Harvard. I know where the bodies are buried. I've been there 60 years. I probably know as much as anybody about how Harvard operates, and I'm prepared to testify uh, about Harvard's sordid history in relation to its double standard. I think these lawsuits can succeed. I think also the lawsuits can help stimulate the Department of Education to um, restrict funding of these universities. These universities, many of them, even Harvard, couldn't really survive without federal funding, even with its $50 billion. It needs the federal funding. And if it doesn't start doing things, and now Yale is considering, uh, as its new president, a woman who was a colleague of mine at Harvard for many years as a professor and is now the dean of uh, Yale Law School, who has a very mixed record when it comes to issues like this. And so I think people have to begin to focus on who the next presidents will be of Yale and Harvard and these other major institutions that produce our future leaders. Wait, that's really interesting. We're all shaking our heads right what now. Arrogance. Yes. I mean, Ed and I are going, are you kidding me? That that the new person after all of this, I, I mean, doesn't that astound you that they would even consider somebody? Me. Yeah. And they haven't learned their lesson. And if they pick somebody who is a DEI, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion person, and and this dean, who I know well, uh, was one of those who started to discipline a student because he may have used the wrong word about a party. And uh, she claims to, you know, be a supporter of, of DEI, which is censorship and, uh, and uh, denial of due process. So, again, I think we need somebody who is a strong civil libertarian, who believes in the missions of a university, meritocracy, due process free speech, not somebody who is going to do what President Gay did for the few months that she was at Harvard. To have yeah. a repetition of President Gay at Yale uh, would be, a, would be a, a disaster. You know, I went to Yale and I teach at Harvard, so I have great concerns for both of those institutions. Uh, Governor Patterson. Uh, you know, Alan, uh, the DEI is, um, uh, is, has had its day. The new term is diversity, inclusion, and belonging. So that because you can't assume that everybody, that every student, that there should be equity about everything. In other words, it's almost a socialist term. But the question I wanted to ask you is when you consider what's going on now, it sort of reminds me of how the colleges and universities treated African-Americans in the 40s. It's just a different group. And and treated Jews in the 20s and 30s. And, by the way, treated ethnic Catholics in the 60s, when I got to Harvard, the most discriminated group at Harvard were Italian-Americans and Irish-Americans. They couldn't get into Harvard. They couldn't teach at Harvard. And I led the campaign to fight against that kind of a bigotry and exclusion. You know, the Brahmins at Harvard, their greatest fear was that Irish-Americans, Italian-Americans would take over the university. Yep. And uh, that, was a, a, that, that was the kind of bigotry 
That was the focus of Harvard in the 1960s when I got there, and I fought against it. Well, bravo for uh, keeping up the fight and letting us know about all this. Professor Alan Dershowitz, thank you so much. Against The book is called War Against the Jews, and boy, it couldn't be more timely. Thank you, Professor. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, everybody, coming up after the break, uh, we have economist Steve Moore, who's going to talk about the price of shoplifting, which is a lot. And Everybody pays. Yeah, everybody pays. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us today is one of the country's leading economists, Steve Moore. Steve, what what the heck do you have to report today? Where, where, which way is our economy going? Hi, <laughs> John. I read it. Good to be with the uh, gang. Hey. Uh, look, the economy is is proved, certainly, but you've got so many warning signs ahead. You've got uh, a continued situation where, uh, you know, middle class families continue to fall behind the rate of inflation over the last uh, three years that Biden has been in office. So there's been about a by our estimates, about a $2,000 loss in purchasing power, as Reagan used to call it, real uh, take home pay has fallen. Uh, and so when Biden's going around the country celebrating this economy, I think a lot of Americans are saying, what country is he talking about? Because they're not feeling it. And of course, you have the other problem, uh, John, of this enormous uh, debt that is not falling. It's getting worse every day. And I'm not just talking about the national debt. I'm talking about, you know, families going more into debt with respect to credit cards. And I don't know if you guys have heard this new, you know, uh, financing technique, buy now, pay later. Uh, more and more Americans are taking out loans like that, and eventually you have to pay later. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. By the way, did you see also, uh, Steve, today that um, Simone Sanders, she's, you know, she's, you know, knows the Biden administration. You see her all over MSNBC. She finally came out. I was making a lot of headlines because she's uh, you know, obviously a, a very progressive said, you know what? We shouldn't be using the phrase Bidenomics anymore because nobody's <laughs> believing it. It's not working. Isn't that funny that she's like there? People aren't feeling it was her answer. Well, and the reason I think that that in that's coming from a lot of Democrats who are running for Congress or the Senate or state legislative races around the country are saying, you know, American people aren't buying this. Stop calling it Bidenomics. Uh, You've got still a situation where about 70 percent of Americans say their finances are in worse shape now than they were four years ago. Uh, You know, the other big story, uh, I think, guys, when it comes to the economy is what Johnny uh, Jamie Dimon said i don't know if you guys saw it uh, i think he was at the davos yeah we were you know, just talking about that yesterday that's a biggie 
It is because, you know, it, it, he was saying, look, uh, Trump was right on a lot of that. And, and by the way, Jamie Dimon is not, you know, a big Trump guy <laughs> by any means. Right. And he was saying, look, this guy was absolutely right when he basically said that, you know, we're, we're you know, that uh, we've got a border problem. We've got a inflation problem. We've got a debt problem. Uh, we got to do something. We've got a China problem. And, you know, I really have to salute Jamie Dimon for calling out his own Democratic, you know, friends and saying, you know what, we're out of touch with real America here. Well, he also said that that's why Trump is doing so well in the polls. Right. That's right. It's and, substance. You know, I, I have to say this because, John, you know, you know Trump pretty well and I know him pretty well. And I thought that that speech that he gave on Monday night, which, by the way, outrageously was not covered by MSNBC or CNN. Oh, no, they. you know what? They did cover it. As soon as he started speaking, they dipped out of it. <laughs> yeah, so they, they covered, covered five yeah, seconds. Four hours of coverage on <laughs> Iowa primary, and then when Trump gives his victory speech. But for those who did not see the victory speech, I think it was covered by Fox, but not the other networks. Um, you know, Trump, I thought was fantastic. He was magnanimous. He called out, you know, he was, he was nice to his opponents. It wasn't the name calling that I don't like with Trump. And if he can be like that, John, I think for the next nine months, I think he's going to be the next president. You know, I, he also stayed on, uh, like you said, on message. But, you know, it's interesting, too, um, as you're talking, he focused on border. He also yep. focused a lot on economy and consistently, Steve, over and over again. I just saw like five new polls before the show today. And it's either economy or border depends. And, yep, and that was yep. in Iowa. Border and immigration was number one in New Hampshire. It's sort of neck and neck with economy and border. But yep. those are sweet spots for President Trump. Steve, is shoplifting any better in? Wait, for the criminals or yeah. the owners? Cr- criminals John? are doing very well. Yeah, they're, they're doing, doing very well, well especially here well. in New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we did have a story in our hotline today. By the way, anybody can get that by just going to committee.unleashedplusverity.com and signing up for free. It costs nothing. There's no inflation there. Uh, but, yeah, we had a story about all of these uh, drug stores and convenience stores around the country, and especially in the cities like New York. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you get in, everything's behind, a, like, a paywall. You, you can look at the stuff, but you can't grab it off the shelf. You have to wait for somebody to, behind the counter to unlock the the little cabinet so you can, you know, get a pair of socks or some aspirin or, you know, all sorts of, you know, maybe a candy bar. I mean, come on, what's happening in this country? Who wants to wait 15 minutes to get a candy bar or, you know, a a Coca-Cola? So the the reason that these retailers uh, and and drugstores are doing this is because people have been coming in and just stealing the stuff right off the shelf. And a lot of cities aren't even prosecuting the, the shoplifters, so it's become an epidemic of crime. Well, but, the, but arrests the, are down because nobody gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> well, speak, gets arrested. But, and, you know, it goes back to remember what your friend and my friend Rudy Giuliani used to say, that the broken windows. If you let people get away with, you know, little crimes, guess what? Then they're going to do bigger crimes and bigger crimes. Pretty soon, you know, you're going to have people shooting each other. And that's what's happened in my home city of Chicago. It's happening in Milwaukee. It's happening in Detroit. And now it's happening in New York City. Yeah, Steve absolutely. Moore, we'll talk to you. I'll listen to you at 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock on, on uh, Saturday. Saturday oh, yeah. More well, money. John, what, what, what is the name of that show again? More, more money. More money. <laughs> Just like Anthony. More yes. money. We'll see you then. Thank you. Yeah, you too.
And Rita, we have some hot news. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. And as you just heard right here on the top on Cats and Cosby, DA Fannie Willis in Fulton County, Georgia, faces a hearing concerning an allegedly improper relationship and collusion also with the Biden White House. Willis is accused of engaging in an ongoing relationship with a prosecutor that she personally hired to investigate Trump and allegations of election interference. Willis says the allegations are racially motivated, but she also hasn't said that they are false. And the U.S. Senate has passed a stopgap funding bill that would avoid a government shutdown if it's passed by the House of Representatives. Tomorrow's deadline is also a little complicated by the big snowstorm that's expected to hit a lot of the East Coast on Friday, including here in the tri-state area. Also, the federal government has issued a damning report today concerning the 2022 school shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, which left 19 kids and two teachers murdered. Attorney General Merrick Garland says poor police training and bad communication led to a series of cascading errors. And boy, is that report damning and a powerful press conference. And those are your Goya top stories of the day. I love those Goya beans. They are the best. They are the best. Let's take a break. And when we come back, who are we coming back with, Rita? We have Andy McCarthy, who's going to talk about some sweeping surveillance. If uh, maybe you uh, shopped at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods or you typed in MAGA, guess what? The federal government might be investigating you. You're commuting home with Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now is the former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Andy McCarthy. Andy, uh, first of all, this was a bombshell report today. It's about the feds asking banks to research customer data right after January 6th. And if you somehow had the word MAGA or Trump, and I couldn't believe this, if you shopped at Dick's Sporting Goods or if you were buying religious books, I mean, this is, it is so you, over You were the top. investigated? You were investigated and oh my God. not even, a, not even accused of a crime, John. That's the point. It was like, uh, let's do a wide net. If you shopped at these or bass pro I shops, there's another one. I would one. not do that on their own. Who ordered them to do that? Great question. Andy McCarthy, your thoughts? Well, I think, Rita, that this is kind of like another piece of what we already knew in this sense. We knew that they had gone to the telecommunications companies and in a very uh, sort of a dragnet kind of way collected um, cell site information data, which tells you, uh, you know, not only who was there in the sense of uh, it it tells you who's like the registered client for the phone or the owner of the uh, of the cell phones. It, always, it also shows where you move from place to place to place. And that helped them develop a list of people who were potentially present at the Capitol. And from what we understand, they matched that up very broadly with bank records and travel records and, and stuff like that. So I actually thought that the cell site data, which I think was the main thing that they were relying on besides 
you know, video that was uh, that was coming in from people who were there and people who observed people who were there. I think the cell site video was a real dragnet and gave them a pretty complete list of names. And then they used that other stuff to try to um, locate people uh, and uh, including locate them throughout the country, because I think they made cases on on people. And if I'm remembering this right, I don't think it was all 50 states, but I think 48 states. That is unbelievable. Um, it's unbelievable. And you know what's amazing? I saw um, that uh, Bank of America um, just complied. Like, like I think the DOJ went to them. They didn't even get a subpoena. They're like, oh, yeah, what else do you need? And did searches if people bought religious books around that time. I mean, this this to me just it, it, it reeks of the whole thing with Merrick Garland. Remember when we heard that the, the FBI and DOJ were going after Catholics, uh, going after, I mean, this just looks like you're put on a hit list. And what did they do with this data? What do they do with what now they suddenly have a, a group of people that they consider Trump supporters? Uh, it just, it seems like, it feels like, like Russia. It feels to me like, like this is, you know, so unseemly. Yeah. Can, can I tell you though what really, Frightens me for the country about this. I mean, I, this is bad. And I think that when you have people who are uh, not seasoned enough or who are too aggressive or who are unhinged, they do abusive things. But there are, there's another category of collecting intelligence, namely our foreign intelligence, where we need to be very aggressive because of um, the threats to the United States around the world, which yep. day by day we're seeing are, are worse and worse. And what I always worry about this, Rita, is if they get the reputation, which they've gotten, for abusing their powers, what Congress is going to react in doing is to cut those powers. And it's one thing to cut them when they're being used against Americans. But if we don't have them, you know, aggressively against jihadists and these you know, the great power competition that we're in in the world today with all the dangers that we're facing in the world, that would be a catastrophe for the country. But these guys are playing with fire by abusing these powers because we don't give these powers to the FBI and the Justice Department because we think they're nice, trustworthy guys. We only have these powers because they're necessary to protect the national security of the United States. And if we take them away or curb them, because these guys can't behave themselves, we're still going to be facing the same set of threats. Andy, these FBI guys would not do that on their own, would they? I mean, they, they had to be uh, under the orders of the somebody, a civilian in the attorney general's office. So, John, the, the way this works is the, the sort of um, divide, and it's not a hard divide, but it's, it's, it's a pretty consistent divide, Prior to charges, the FBI is in charge of the investigation. But once you have to go to a court to get investigative uh, measures like warrants and that kind of stuff, then the Justice Department is involved. And once charges get filed, the Justice Department is really more in charge of the case than the FBI is. So there's a divide between the investigative phase and the prosecutive phase. But you're right that when it's a huge investigation of national importance, they work together and the bureau doesn't go off and do something half cocked without 
clearing it with DOJ. You know, Andy McCarthy, one thing um, it, it it triggers me when I see how widespread anybody who is near January 6th and and. Um, you know, people have and different some impressions. Of people are still in jail. Yes, yeah, some of them are still in jail. Some of them didn't really do anything. If you see some of the videos, there's others who did other things. Uh, I don't want to debate that, but but it gets to the point of where are where is Congress and where are they doing these wide searches for people who are funding Hamas and Hezbollah? Uh, you know, I mean, you think just to your point, you want to have them focused on that kind of stuff. Uh, we're not hearing about that, and yet we're hearing, boy, if you were tied to January six. Uh, they seem to be making a greater effort than going after those who are funding terrorists. Yeah, I think that's what has people really angry. Sometimes it's called the two-tiered justice system. Uh, other times it's basically the destruction of equal protection under the law. But I don't think anybody would have a hard time about an aggressive approach to the Capitol riot if we saw an equally aggressive approach to other kinds of politically mm. motivated violence like the BLM riot. I, I think what really gets people is if it's left wing terrorism or left wing aggression, they turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. And if it's anything that's associated, especially with Trump, they come down on it like a ton of bricks and everybody can see that. Yeah. And by the way, now I'm afraid to go shop at uh, Bass Pro Shops, you know, I mean, <laughs> and Dick's Sporting Goods or buy a Bible. Well, for a lot of reasons. We don't, <laughs> yeah. know who's, we don't know who's going to be diving into the pool there, right? Or yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Andy, thank you very much. Great to have you thank with you, us. Andy. Thanks, Andy. And um, uh, on the medical front, um, some big news today. Cancer cases uh, hitting a record high. Uh, this year, they're projecting 2 million people in America, especially young people. That's a really big issue. And joining us now is Dr. Peter Mihalos. Uh, Dr. Peter, uh, this is really concerning, especially at certain kinds of cancers, but it's hitting younger and younger Americans. Well, cancer is a large problem, and uh, we continue to have issues with uh, rising cancer. And part of the reason is that during COVID, many, many people did not get uh, diagnostic tests. A lot of younger people in their 50s, for example, did not get their routine colonoscopies. Many women did not get their mammograms and many blood tests were not done in basic screening. So we are seeing the surge post-pandemic because during the pandemic, hospitals were filled with COVID cases. So now we're seeing those effects. And even uh, things like even uh, dental disease, which affects the heart health uh, a lot of uh, dental disease and dentists are trying to catch up. People didn't get those things taken care of. So we, we are seeing a rise in uh, cancer. And also there's some concerns about the spike protein in COVID and what it does to the immune system and whether it weakens uh, the immune system. So there's a lot of information that still has to be worked out, a lot of data that has to be sifted through to figure out what was going on. And on that note, the other breaking news uh, that the Wall Street Journal reported on uh, the other day was that uh, December 28, 2019, that there was someone in a Chinese lab who had sequenced the virus uh, that early on, and it was already mapped out, which is kind of scary that uh, people actually knew the structure of the virus and the spike protein. And as we know, the initial virus was uh, very deadly, highly contagious. Thank God right now, as most viruses, as we've learned from history, learn to become more contagious to survive, but less lethal. And that's a, a big 
plus, but we're seeing a lot of the residual from COVID. And also can people continue to smoke and do drugs, uh, which are, there are a lot of toxins and a lot of these drugs that can't be healthy. And also a lot of the things in our uh, environment, we deal with a lot of formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen, a lot of our particle board furniture, a lot of our processed food and the preservatives are probably carcinogenic. So there are a lot of different things in our environment that we need to address. And uh, as we talked about on WABC, you can, it's probably a good idea to get an early cancer test. There's a blood test called a gallery test. With one blood test, you can spot 50 cancers before they start. And I encourage people to get their annual physicals, get their blood work, consult with their physicians, get your mammograms, your colonoscopy, your GYN exams, many missed cases of ovarian cancer also because people aren't cervical cancer, things that, you know, are curable. You know, the good old pap smear test has saved millions of women throughout the world, but many women weren't getting their pap tests. And a lot of young women can also die from cervical cancer. So these are all uh, various factors. And we're going to see how the numbers worked out and try to find out some of the reasons and try to improve our environment and uh, hopefully address some of the toxins that we deal with. Great stuff. Uh, thank uh, you, Dr. Yeah, Mihalos. Thank you, Dr. Mihalos. Great stuff. Thank you. Breaking news, WABC. And uh, just coming in here on Cats and Cosby, Hunter Biden, the president's son, uh, will be sitting for a closed-door deposition with the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees, that's Comer and Jordan, on February 28th. Uh, they're saying that it will happen, or at least he's saying it will. Let's see what happens if he shows up or not. Of course, it's been a lot of back and forth. Uh, but the president's first son saying that he will answer. Of course, we don't know if he's going to take the fifth and answer questions. Uh, your reaction, Ed Cox, that it looks like now it may happen. We'll see. Look, there's a difference between a deposition and uh, a Senate or House hearing. That's a show. That's a circus. You mean uh, Hunter with his cameras the other day showing up? That's <laughs> he a just circus. Wants a circus, <laughs> and he's saying, you know, I'll testify in a hearing. No, no. T- what you want is a deposition first, and it's always done first. And it sounds like he's agreeing to it, uh, Governor Patterson. I, I have a question for the uh, Republican state chair. If a Hunter takes the fifth. Would that be the Fifth Amendment or a fifth of scotch? <laughs> or the fifth time that he takes the fifth. I, I think after, the, after the latter, he'd need the former. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a bet with everyone in this room that there's no way he's answering any substantive questions. He's going to take the fifth. Yeah, and the question is, will he do that privately and then say, hey, I want to go now to a public one and rant and rant? Actually, I think (laughs) Comey was much smarter and other. They just say, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, let's see. That's a little bit more seemly than just taking the video. Well, remember, he didn't remember the coke and uh, remember with the gun. And it turned out even years later, there was coke residue in his gun pouch. That's right. (laughs) Right. He didn't remember that either. Are we taking a break? And then we're going to come back with uh, Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Yes, the greatest New York senator ever. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us is the greatest New York senator ever, Senator Al D'Amato. Um, senator D'Amato, I don't know if you saw these hearings today. It was blistering. 
uh, there were two mothers, one of them who lost their daughter to fentanyl, another one who lost their daughter to an illegal migrant who killed uh, her daughter. It was just and, gut-wrenching. And Roger Stone lost his sister's son to fentanyl Saturday night. Oh, my goodness. Oh my I did gosh. not know that. How horrible. It is happening everywhere. And they they said blatantly it is Mayorkas, it's Biden, and they were angry. Mayorkas was supposed to show up for the hearing today. He didn't show up. Uh, Senator DeMotto, your thoughts about where this is headed? They're saying impeach Mayorkas. Let me say this to you. The whole Congress, Republicans and Democrats, should be ashamed of themselves. The Democrats were selling out the way they have. The Republicans have less of an excuse, all right? But they have made this country look weak, inept, incredible. This what's taking place at the border is a disgrace. And if there's anything that's worse, is how I want to compliment you, John and Rita, for your first guest. He was brilliant. Professor Dershowitz is second to none. And his analysis of what is taking place, and let me tell you, this is maybe even worse than the border, is the potential devastation that is taking place right now. And we're allowing it to take place. Why? Because we are sitting back and letting Iran get away with what they're done. Why do you think we have a war in Israel now and in Gaza? Who do you think financed this? Who do you think gave them the munitions? Who do you think is still continuing to support them? Iran. Iran. And why? Because we lifted the sanctions. And you heard Dershowitz spell it out clearly. Who did it? I'll tell you. Obama. They they brought back Obama's former ambassador to Iran. They lifted the sanctions. Iran made between 50 and $80 billion in oil. What'd they do with that money? Forget about the $6 billion we gave them. What'd they do with the money? You think they fed their people? You think they get they built armaments? They put arms around. They supplied. Where do you think they could build these tunnels in the Gaza and get the guns and whatnot? Where do you think these rockets that are coming at us from the Houthis and others are coming from. Iran. Now, let me tell you, what do we have to do? We have to wait for a naval ship and maybe hundreds of Americans getting killed before we strike. But crying out loud, we should go out and knock out one of their major oil facilities and tell them, this is just the beginning, fellas, and knock it off with your... Uh, going atomic. Don't let them go atomic. You can't. And you got to tell them. And here we were negotiating as it relates to allowing. You cannot allow them to go atomic. To go nuclear. And, and, Are we out of our mind? And this what, is the greatest. This is much more dangerous. And I think the border crisis is horrible. And but to let Iran do this, are we really going to wait for a naval ship? And hundreds of Americans that get killed before we strike, knock out one of their major oil facilities and tell them this is just the beginning. And, and, and Senator, 
What I've been told is the uh, Biden has told uh, Netanyahu do not attack Iran. So <laughs> since Iran, since since uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia are close together, Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia has activated ISIS yep. to to attack yep. Iran. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's what's taking place. And I have to tell you right now. There's only one thing they respect. They fear power. We have the power now, overwhelmingly. Knock out some of You don't have to knock out the nuclear thing now, although I wouldn't be against that, because you can't let them go nuclear. You can't do it. They have missile capabilities. They can reach the United States. So you got to first knock out their oil and do it now. Don't wait for a disaster. But do you see this happening? I don't see that happening under this president. We're all shaking our heads. And I will say why they don't. And that is because that would drive up the price of oil and that would drive up the pump and that would hurt Biden politically. And that's why his administration will not do it. That's another angle. How sad is that? By the way, sad because national security takes a backseat to politics. That is time and time again with the Biden administration. That is shameful. It has, the, the judge is right to this extent. It has taken a back seat. Now, maybe they're waiting. And, and I'll tell you, it's just a question of time before they hit one of our ships over there and kill X number of Americans, and then we'll do something. That's baloney. You tell them, stop it now. And if you don't stop it, there will be consequences. Right. And I'll tell you this, they don't even have to tell them that. I'd certainly knock out one of their oil facilities. We got more oil uh, available. It's not going to create a problem. Do that and say this is the beginning. Peace through strength as as opposed to wimp. (laughs) Thank thank you, Senator D'Amato. We'll catch up with you again real soon. And by the way, you keep Professor Dershowitz coming on. Because he is second to none. He's a smart guy. Yeah, we got a great show. We started with him and we ended with you, Senator. So that's great. Good being with you. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.